From Charter Hall and Banish, this is Sustainability Further. I'm your host, Lottie DL. You're listening to Sustainability Further, a podcast by Charter Hall. One of Australia's leading property groups, Charter Hall is focused on creating innovative spaces and going further to build a better future for all. Nick Robinson is the founder of Good Citizens, a company which is changing the way that we see the world. Quite literally, Good Citizens turns a single plastic bottle into a pair of glasses right here in Sydney. But these glasses do far more than that. Today, we learn about Nick's failures, vision and the power of advertising in doing good. So Nick, it is so great to have you on the podcast today. Let's kick it off with a big question. What does sustainability mean to you? Oh gosh, this this stumps me right, and and not often do I get a bit stressed, but this question stresses me, and and I tell you why because it's such a. In fact, I asked the kids because you know I'm in business with the kids, so I said to the kids last night, I'm going on doing this podcast with you. What's sustainability? And the kids said, sustainability is keeping the planet in balance. And they just stopped talking, and I was like, "What do you mean?" And they said, "It's about just taking enough." and not overproducing waste. And, and that's a really, really honest answer, right? And then I thought, okay, well, our business version, because everybody has a different version of sustainability, but our version, the good citizen version of sustainability is to turn undesirable waste into desirable products. And so really what we do is untrash the planet. And we do that in many different ways. We, we turn a single-use bottle into a pair of eyewear frames. So we don't use new plastic and we've worked out that we save about 75% CO2. So that's on trash in the planet, right? That's a good thing. Our cardboard's 100% recycled. Our case is 100% recycled, uh, which means we're taking something which was something before and we're giving it a new life. And that that uses less energy. So that's sustainable. You know, we, we have zero post-finishing on most eyewear frames there. There's tumbling, there's polishing, there's sanding, there's lots of fiddly bits. It can take 100 hours. Ours pop out in less than a minute and they're finished. There's no energy used. There's no more electricity used. There's nothing else. They're literally put together by hand and snipped. So that's on trashing the planet. And we pull plastic out of the ocean as a gift from each citizen to the planet. And we use, we've, we've, we've calculated loosely because that's, it's a very hard thing to track. About four, four and a half kilos of CO2 is used with our brand to get a pair from zero to on your face, everything, all in packaging, distribution, making, but we remove and prevent 10 kilograms of CO2 from reaching the atmosphere. So again, that's kind of our version of, of, of sustainability. But to be really blunt with you, because I do get really wound up by this, I think the word sustainability is overused and no one knows what it means. Uh, and what's really frightening me is that I, I know there are some very, very smart individuals, and I don't want to use this as a platform to be an angry man and pick fights, but I know these people that run very successful eyewear brands and fashion brands are smart enough to run a business, but they trick customers, and it's called greenwashing, right? And there's, there's people like yourself, there's people like us, there's really good people trying to reverse this, but these big powerhouses are tricking people, and their version of sustainability is a box is recyclable. It's not even made of recycled materials. And so customers believe it, believe the hype. And that's the really sad thing, right? That those big businesses are causing all this damage and tricking people, but it's people like us and lots of other smaller businesses that actually are trying to bring balance back to the world, right? And that's what I think sustainability is. 
No, I love it. It's one of the reasons why we ask this question for all of our guests is because everybody's answer is so different and because there isn't a real definition for sustainability and because it is, it's changing every single day, every single week and what it means to everybody is so different. You just spoke about then about how all the amazing processes that are going on behind the scenes with kind of pulling out rubbish from the oceans and then turning them into eyewear and making the undesirable desirable. You make it all sound so polished and beautiful and perfect, but you actually had over 2,500 failed attempts to get to this point. What made you keep going? Because for anybody else, one or two attempts, then you're kind of going, well, this is too hard. Throw it in the bin. It's funny. It's a really good question. Uh, I'm a tenacious sod, right? And I've always (laughs) been tenacious. But more importantly, people listening to this, if they want to take out a clear takeout is have a good purpose. I know a lot of people harp on about it, but it's the, when you set up a business, you have no money, all you have is time. And you, you have people around you that might believe in what you're doing, but you need a good purpose. Our purpose is everyone knows the world's drowning in plastic, uh, plastic rubbish. Everyone feels deeply uncomfortable. So we untrash it. We reverse it. So that got me through. Also, you know, making a commitment to Harry and Archie, who were six and seven at the time. Most kids are frightened of the dark. My kids were frightened of the fact the world was going to end. So we had like an agreement that mum and dad would do something about it. And that's why the business was born. They kept me going. How can you how can you look at them and go, oh, dad's given up? Yeah, mum and dad are kind of cashing out. We've had enough. We can't do it. You can't do that with with children. You got to, as an adult, you got to say to them, "You keep going." But the purpose is one thing because there's no money around when you're on this journey, right? It's it's raw. It's you're throwing every cent, every minute in. So purpose, untrash the planet. What got that's what got me through. No, I think you're right there. And I often see with a lot of the work that I'm doing is that often that pinnacle, that turning point for people when they decide, right, I'm really going to take accountability for my own personal footprint, my personal waste is often when they're starting a family because you then have that accountability for somebody other than than yourself and you're going, well, I want to create a better future for my children or for my family And you don't want to be trashing it. You don't want to kind of leave the planet in a worse state than you found it. Completely. Yeah. Well said. Yeah, that's it. And it's just a feeling, isn't it? And I'm incredibly dyslexic and I struggle writing things down. I sometimes make up words as I speak. So I'll forgive forgive me, you and the listeners, if you don't understand what I'm harping on about. But yeah, keeping it simple and just, you know, doing the right thing for the next generation, I think, is, is the way forward. Yeah, and I love your whole brand ethos as well about even the name Good Citizens, about kind of putting that onus almost on the individuals and saying with this pair of glasses, you are going to make a change, you are going to make a difference. So can you just talk to me a little bit about kind of what was the thought process behind that? Yeah, look, it's the world's in a bit of a state and it's you can't, I don't want to blame governments or anybody else because end of the day, it's like a push-pull strategy, right? There's a demand for a product and people will pay. So we've all got to be accountable. And I love countries like Sweden where they're, they're minimising so much waste going in the landfill because as citizens and as, as a country that kind of made an agreement like maybe 15 years ago, they can all play their part. So it's all brilliant and I love that. But the name Good Citizens, we as a brand, we, we don't want to lecture people. We don't want to make people feel bad. They feel bad already. We're just offering a really simple solution and everybody wants to be perceived as a good individual. Whether you're a crazy badass gangster, you still want mum to love you, you still want to be light, right? And citizens, there's so much diversity in the planet, so many people doing 
I support this team, you support that team. I'm going to, you speak that language, you're that religion. Ultimately, we live on this one planet. Let's just be good citizens. And the dictionary definition of a good citizen is just do the right thing. So as a brand, we're just saying to people, you can go and buy any other brand. If you like the look of our brand and you like all the things about it, then buy it. And by doing that, you're playing your small part. And it's funny, a friend has bought our glasses and the next purchase they bought was a Tesla, right? So, <laughs> and, and Harry, Harry and I went to present, the leadership team of Tesla invited us in to, to talk to them about, they wrote to us and said, we think our purpose is so aligned. Would you, would you mind coming in and meeting us? And Harry said to them, you know, do we get commission on a Tesla? Because our friend Rupert bought a Tesla. And it's funny because I spoke to Rupert and he said, your glasses got me thinking. It's that one thing. It could be a keep cup. It could be an item, but it opens up the fact that in, things can be done differently. And so that's as a brand, we just want to be part of that landscape and steer the conversation in the right direction, but not in a judgmental way. It, we leave it very, very open to people to feel like they want to get on board. And then they, when they are, they're part of our population. And it's a, they're, they're not a transaction, they're a citizen. They're very important to us and they know it. Yeah, I think that's a really good point that you raised there as well about how as individuals, we it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. We can all choose our own pathway and what being a good citizen looks like can be very different from person to person. Yeah, agree. And just do the right thing. You know, you need all sorts in the world and I don't want to criticise anybody and I don't want anybody to feel guilty. So, Yeah. Definitely. So before starting Good Citizens, you were working in advertising. So how did you kind of pull all of this kind of advertising knowledge and experience into Good Citizens? Because I often see with amazing businesses when they're first starting out, they have these great ideas and they're really great entrepreneurial spirit. But when it comes to getting their products in the hands of individuals, that's where they kind of, they're struggling. And that's where we often see businesses fail. So what are kind of, what did you do differently? Oh, again, when when the kids, Joss and I sat down and were at the kitchen table in 2018, the kids were upset about single-use plastic because we go to the sushi shop and there's a problem. And I said to the kids in business, if you've got to solve a problem, if you're not solving a problem, then you're just joining the rest of other people, right? And then we're just not doing, not saying it's a bad thing, but if you can solve a problem, that is a very real problem, then people will get on board because they're naturally drawn to it. So our why was untrash the planet and the problem was single-use plastic. So that's how we kind of, so it was kind of, I don't know, my background is advertising, my background is content, my back, it, it, as in uh, broadcast making shows for the networks and I used to work in the UK for the likes of the BBC. So I've had a very varied past, but I think when we sat down and unpacked this idea and cracked what the problem is and what's the, What's the thing we're going to solve? All of a sudden, we just kind of worked out how what a brand could look like. Uh, what is we didn't know we were going to be a sunglasses brand, right? But that's one bottle gets turned into a pair of eyewear frames. There's no greenwashing. It's very very simple. It's it, it's like wizardry. It's magic, and so all the pieces kind of just fell into place. Uh, and you know you have to have a product that's sexy. And gone are the days where people buy something and i guess that's an insight i had from advertising you can plow a lot of money into advertising but unless people naturally look at the products and go that's cool i love it it's brilliant they won't buy it and and you can't rely on the fact that you're a purpose driven business for people to say and do like a charity bite or feel sorry for you that that just destroys me we we've got to play 
against all the other fashion brands that look cool, right? So that was a good insight that kind of had come from my past after marketing many products. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure if that answers your question, but it's it's a big question. No, it is, but I think I think you're right in the sense that like when you are pitching your product or you're looking at your market, you don't look to the sustainability market or to the, I don't know, I'm trying to think, the responsible eyewear market, for example. Totally. You're going up against everybody else and almost it's like an added benefit is the positives of the fact that the frames and the whole glasses are made from plastic bottles. It's going up against every all of the other big brands and that's kind of what the added benefit is it still has to look great it still has to function and be if not the exact quality or better quality than those other brands because that's how you're going to get consumers to convert because I think we're trying to target people who are already consuming but we're trying to make them do a better a better choice yeah like we just had a girl come in before lovely girl Heidi she's a good citizen she drove in she 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 broke her glasses and She's distraught, but she came in, we fixed them in 10 seconds. So that's another, what's the problem? The problem is that most eyewear frames break at the hinge. So we make our hinge replaceable, right? And I'm holding a hinge up now in the camera. No one can see it. You can see it. But that little hinge took 18 months to develop. But that little hinge is the thing that's the point of difference. And now that little hinge we can make in different colors so we can show that actually it can be modular and have fun with recycled plastic because most recycled plastic is black because it's it's hiding all the unsavory things in it whereas we're trying to be multicolored and fun so we pretty much picked the hardest thing but again back to my background you need something that's going to be fun and like swatch swatch is a brand of glass of, 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 of you know it, it's it swatch took a watch from about 150 components down to 53 i think right and they made it fun and colorful and enjoy and brought joy to anybody who wore it and it's just incidental. I, I, I kind of read an article on it about six months ago, but our frames made of five pieces, not most eyewear frames are made of like 20 pieces. So all of a sudden it just becomes less resources and more fun to play with. You just swap all the parts out. So yes, I, there's no direct answer to what, your question, but it's kind of, you just feel your gut, right? I'm a bit, I'm, I'm, I'm getting on now, I'm 48, and I've got some experience and you just have to trust your gut about no. what's right and wrong and yeah that's a big thing and look a lot of luck yes no I think you're right you're definitely right there so Nick part of your kind of advertising background I guess led you to facilitate a once in a lifetime opportunity that many brands dream of and that was having Selfridges in London give you a shop window for three months how did this kind of come about and what is your kind of, I don't know, your advice or any words of wisdom you have for our audience? It's, it's, a, it's really bizarre, right? I get asked to give lectures on this and I have had like really, really big brands ring me going, how did you get into Selfridges? Because it's near enough impossible. But it's funny, if, if it was luck. I was with my parents in the UK. I was flying over the sea. It was my last day. And, and someone who is probably one of the most influential people in the eyewear fashion game, like who runs it, like on a global level tracked me down because they'd heard this crazy story and I met them in London and then we ended up getting a tour of Selfridges and I bumped into the general manager and just through conversation they said hey we love this would you like to be inside the store and then I think the retail buyers which are the most hardcore fashion I mean you talk about pitching an idea this is to the, the to the head buyers of Selfridges London voted best department store four times in the in ever in the world right 
I was petrified, but all of them unanimously went, love it, love the style. So we got that fashion tick. That, that was a dream, right? And that's the dream of most brands. But I would say to anyone who's listening to this that has a business, keep the door open, right? Because that was a lucky phone call. And yeah, they liked what they saw, but we were only three months old when that happened. So if you're in business now, keep the door open, keep plug, plugging away because the phone will ring. And that's one of the joys of having your own business is you own the lows and you own the highs. And when the highs come, geez, it's exciting and you have to hold on. And when we accepted that deal with Selfridges, we had a prototype. We hadn't actually made a pair. They don't know that, but it's just one of those stories, isn't it? And just, yeah, it gets very lonely, very, very lonely as a startup founder, but keep going because if you're doing something right, the phone will ring and it may ring twice in a week. Exactly. Or it may not ring at all for a month. That's one of the ways that I describe being in business is like, it's like being on a roller coaster. The highs are so, so high. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, you're just at the bottom of the low in a second. And it just, you never, it's never smooth sailing. It goes up and down all the way around and you'll be twisted and turned, but it's the joy, right? So kids are our future, as you know, and you've dedicated your life to create a better future, not only for your kids, but for everybody. So what is one way that our listeners could get involved and help build a better future? Yeah, it's a really nice question. And I think that what you can do is you can practically on one, one, right? So on one level, if you've got, I get lots of people ring me and people from my old industries will want to, they've heard about this story and think, you know, there was almost an intervention when we started going, you are crazy. Stop it. Continue on this lovely career you've got. Life's going to be good. But I said, no, you've got to take a risk, right? You've got to take calculated risks. So I'd say to anyone listening, if you have an idea, get a piece of paper, get a little book, I have a notebook and a pencil and write it down and look at it and ponder it and talk to people about it. One lesson we learned early on is don't ever talk to a friend or family about an idea because they'll go, that's amazing when it's not, it's a crock of shit, but they don't want to hurt your feelings, right? Ask people that frighten you. I picked four people. Joss and I met up with four people that frighten us in business and we pitched this idea to them and all four said, do it or else we'll kill you, right? So we were nervous, but all four said, do it. Now, any friend, will they just don't want to hurt your feelings, so don't do that. But write ideas down. Uh, and, and talk to people, people that frighten you, share and let the idea ferment, right? And come back to it. And you might put it down for three months and then you'll have a moment of inspiration. But unless it's written down, you don't know. I think practically turn a light bulb off in your house because if everyone in Sydney or Australia, 25 million light bulbs were turned off, that's that's good. That's a little action. You know, you're, you've dedicated your life to finding, educating people, right? So just go and visit your website. That's one thing you can do. You know, any little action, kids... Don't like people drinking out of plastic water bottles. Cut back on that. It's hard at the moment with COVID and coffee cups. There's a million sites. But I think just, just be aware that this action has a knock-on effect. And if you're doing it, 8 billion other people might be doing it at exactly the same time, right? And so imagine how big that pile of crap is. <laughs> so play your part. Just do a little thing. Start small. No, that is some great advice. Thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast, Nick. It's been great to hear all about Good Citizens. I'll pop the URL in the show notes so they can all go and check it out. Thank you for having me. Have a great new year. See you next year. This conversation is part of Charter Hall and Banish's podcast series, Sustainability Further. This series has been designed to inspire Australians to be more environmentally responsible and to take climate action.
Sustainability Further is produced by Banish. Charter Hall's purpose is to create better futures by bringing aspirations to life.